This episode of The Good Pop Culture Club is brought to you by First Republic Bank. The world is changing and your needs are evolving. As your focus turns to what matters most to you and your community, First Republic remains committed to offering personalized financial solutions that fit your needs. From day one, you'll be connected with a dedicated banker who will serve as your primary point of contact throughout your relationship with the bank. They'll be there to listen to you, understand your values, and meet you on your financial journey. Your banker can offer solutions that support your goals at any stage, from setting up a personal checking account, to refinancing household debt, to buying a first home. As your needs evolve, you can call or email your banker at any time for the support you need. Because First Republic believes what matters to you matters most. Learn more at firstrepublic.com. That's firstrepublic.com. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. And you're listening to the Good Pop Culture Club, the final episode of the Good Pop Culture Club for 2020. Good Uh, fucking riddance, (laughs) 2020. Holy crap. Do you remember when this year started and we were all so excited that 2019 was over? Was I? There's so much hope. That this year would this year would be better, you know, it's no. election year. You know. Marvin, we we started this year off together at Sundance. That wasn't That's even th- that was this year. <laughs> Parasite won this year. <laughs> it did, didn't it? It did. Holy it won the crap. Oscar this year. Wow. Do you remember when Parasite won? And we were all just so happy. Like surely. This is a turning point in entertainment. This is a great year for Asians. <laughs> Everything's coming up Millhouse. And yeah, it exactly. did not, in <laughs> fact, come or up Millhouse. Or it was very Millhouse, depending on how you look oh, at super it. Super Millhouse. <laughs> it couldn't have gotten more Millhouse. It wasn't even the Millhouse. It was Millhouse's dad. Oh. Oh. Mr. Van Houten. coming up Millhouse's dad. Grimy. Uh. That's what I'm thinking is Frank Grimy. <laughs> My name is Marvin Yue. Joining me, as always, to talk about all the good pop that gets us through our days or our year, we have self-proclaimed professional Asian American, Jess Ju. What's oh up, my Jess? god, I'm so tired. Can I retire? Can I be just a prof- Can I be like a professional, like white person? Can I? <laughs> can I pretend to be like a white girl from Boston? You just need to perfect the accent, you know, because that's uh, all it's about is the accent. The the um. <laughs> Ma, where's the cockies? Is oh. it good? Is that good enough? That's no, good, right? No. I pass. <laughs> now we're being offensive <laughs> to all Bostonians. My name is Jessica. That's like a pretty white name. I think I'm yeah. like halfway there. I don't even have to change it. Like Hilaria. No. So <laughs> yeah. I think I'm halfway there. Yeah. Also joining us, professional culture editor Han Wen. I uh yeah. I'm I'm a I'm also very glad it's the end. You just went through what I can only imagine is one of the most grueling times of entertainment reporting, which is the end of year article slash lists slash recaps. Lists, lists, lists. lists. Um, I mean, there are very many, many, many busy times during an entertainment reporting. In fact, it was last year that was the end of the decade. And so therefore, oh. the lists that year were kind of like, oh, my God, we need to do end of the year and end of the decade stuff. Um, but this year, it was honestly... There was I had all these big plans and like maybe a tenth of them got done. So I mean it was it was just one of those things where it's like 
I had to forgive myself and forgive everyone else because it's been a hard year. (laughs) (laughs) Well, since this is the last podcast we'll be recording for 2020 and probably the first podcast you'll be listening to in 2021, um, we're going to take this chance to do our first ever Good Pop a year-end review, where we take a look back on the things that we needed and didn't need in 2020, as well as speculate on what we want and don't want in 2021. Uh, but before we get to that, let's find out what Good Pop's been getting us through the week. Uh, Jess, what's popping? Okay, if you've been living under a rock, you may not have heard of it, but Bridgerton is the series, was like the poppin' Netflix Shondaland series. It's the first show from Shondaland on Netflix, but she did not write it. Um, it's based off, we've talked about it before, it's based off these like, you know, romance novels about this one family, but this is like sexy uh, and it's Netflix. So there's more nudity and they do a color conscious, eh, question mark, Ish. color conscious, question mark, color conscious-ish. <laughs> okay, yeah. but they're just not all white, which is traditionally what these period bodice rippery regency romance uh, dramas are about. But it's great. It's I binge watched it in one night and it's great for multiple reasons. I don't mean great like subjectively or objectively like in content. It's just it's exactly I feel what we need right now. It's like pretty trashy overall. Um, it's not that serious. It's like a soap opera. It's not perfect by any means, which actually makes it better because we can <laughs> sit around and talk about it all the time, um, which I think is what I'm realizing is part of the fun of consuming cultural content. When you watch something that's just like good, you're just kind of like, oh, that was good. Cool. But like <laughs> Bridgerton is that perfect mix of like trashy entertaining good but problematic in other ways um where you can like talk forever about it there are some very weird choices they've made about the color consciousness ish casting which we can talk about on another episode because i don't want to like open that pandora's box and like not like give the time to discuss it but it's like it's lauded as a triumph and i don't think it is (laughs) <laughs> it's progress, but it's not perfect. But overall, even through all these critiques that I've been having with various people, and it's really fun because there's like very disparate like friend groups who are all watching it right now. Dude, the Duke is so hot. I cannot. <laughs> Everyone I wrote, can I agree. Wrote, yeah, I wrote. No, that's the thing. Like in all my discourses were like, oh, I had a really big problem with this or like, why the hell is this? And then but then it always every conversation ends with like, my God. The Duke is so hot. And we're like, yeah, he's very hot. He's a very good actor. That 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 dialogue is very cheesy and he sells it. Oh my God, does he sell it? And he like just you're like, yes, I believe you. Take me. Take me to your bed. Um, but but for being lauded as something so horny, it's actually not that horny overall. The books are not that horny either compared to other books I've read. According to Jess, it, the horniness level is only maybe, what, a six? It's like a five or a six. I think yeah. it could be way more horny. And yeah. and I think that's also part of one of my critiques about the book because I or, or the series because mm-hmm. Shonda is always like, you know, or even if it's not Shonda herself, it's the Shonda line umbrella. She executive produced it. And I feel like what I've always loved about Shonda shows is they were so female centric. And I don't think this show is female centric as it's touting itself to be. The showrunner is a gay white man. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I think the way they shot the sex scenes is not different than other mm-hmm. shows are shot. And that's such a shame because a female gaze on this subject would have been really great and just see like the first season of outlander like that is what i mean by like (laughs) sexy like capital s-e-x sexy like sex scenes like i i would watch those like outlander episodes and like have to go like take a a cold shower right right away so but a little bit missed opportunity but it's really fun i really hope there's a season two the Duke is super hot um, and it's just so like it's like fluffy in the fun way. And I think we all kind of needed a little break uh, with. And can we talk about um, like I, I really like the tr- like aesthetically just beautiful. Like they totally askew historical accuracy, which I respect because it's just like I don't give a shit. Like, are we really going to care about like X, Y, Z? Like they established the world. It's very cotton candy. It's very bright. Uh, it's very romantic. I hate an empire waste. You know, I hope that does not come back. It does not look good on me. <laughs> it looks good way, on me, so I like it. <laughs> the costuming the is super one, right? fun. That's the one with the no, it, no, 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 no. It's no. slim, oh. and then but the your your waist like the it the, it gets cinched right underneath your boobies. So so it's, basically, it's yeah. good for people who aren't very curvy. So that's why with me, I raise my hand. Um, <laughs> but as someone yeah. whose widest part of her body is her rib cage, yeah, I do have to admit that it's yeah, bad. It's w- bad, and this was like a look. It's really funny because it is basically Gossip Girl in Regency clothes, right? And Gossip Girl like was very much like similar in like the fashion and the fluff and the and the like the, the eye candy. So that is kind of interesting how everything has come around in twenty year cycles. Um, but and. And like, can we say Wisteria is having a moment? Like every shot in this show is like festooned with Wisteria, which is like those hanging flowers you see in like Japanese tunnels in those <laughs> travel pictures. And it's so beautiful. None of it makes sense. The season happens in winter. This this should all be happening in the dead of winter because that is when people the lords come to London in winter to meet for Parliament sessions. And their families, wives, and children attend balls. That is what the season actually is. This show does not give a shit. And I respect that. Watch Bridgerton. It's hot, fun, trash. The Duke is super hot. And then you can like have your own feelings about it. Would recommend. I haven't started watching it. I'm looking forward to it. I would love your straight male opinion about how <laughs> hot the Duke is. Is he hot enough to like... Are you, would would you be ready to risk it all, Marvin? I'll give you <laughs> my Duke hotness report when I come when I uh, risk your honor. I, <laughs> I I would be totally down for an episode where we discuss this and or just this with color conscious casting. Um, I did do a little story on it w- that sort of dived into it a little bit. Um, and in fact, see, this is a shout out to like salon dot com, but um. My coworker and I, we discussed this before. I'm I'm currently on vacation. And so this is a story that will be coming out by the end of the week, um, actually on Sunday, which is her take. It very much agrees with you, Jess, which is Bridgerton sex is bad sex. Uh, it's bad. There's <laughs> no foreplay. Oh, my God. It's just there's like, no I want to kiss you twice and then pound you. No, um, like, there's, narratively, there's no foreplay. And I, I mean, I mean, in like the technical like way mm-hmm. they show the sex, it's like there's so... no buildup of sexual tension. There's no like 
There's yeah. no teasing, which is like the best part. I don't know if this is news to you, Marvin, but that's like <laughs> the best part. The the teasing first before right. the uh, eventual gratification. Be, th- that is the that's kind of the reason why I think romance novels like they wait so long for you know for them to finally get to the sex scene is because the whole thing is a tease. And then um but here they break it up narratively to the point where it's just like, wait, like any of the simmering chemistry they you might have felt like was like two episodes ago. So it's kind of like then all of a sudden there's just sex. Yeah, it, it, they just they just are very bad at like leading up to it. Yeah, definitely. If you just want hot, fun, fluff, uh, Bridgerton <laughs> has my recommendation. Yeah. <laughs> but what is up with you, huh? What's popping with you? Okay, so this is almost the opposite in a way because I've been reading Regency romances to death also. Like, while I had suggested Bridgerton, or at least the Bridgerton series to Jess, she suggested Lisa Kleypas to me, who is, uh, her her sex scenes are are definitely better. There's yes. variety. There's much They're more, hotter. too. They're, yeah, they go, the, they go a little deeper, pun intended. Also, uh, the characters are also just way more interesting, and there's a lot more historical interest. But having said that, um, I have been trying to get into the frame of mind for uh, children's writing. And so that's why I've been watching, you know, these cartoons. So I also thought. <laughs> Sorry, I'm like, this is such a 180. You I know. From, you went from like Bone Town, Lisa Clevis, <laughs> to like, I'm now going to write children's stuff. So, you know, well, I realized that reading a lot of Regency and, and, and sex novels are not good for thinking about. Can you, can you write like plots? a children's show about Bone Town, which is just where a bunch of paleontologists go? I thought I was going to do something like the Duke of Dookie because I was like, oh, kids like poop. Kids right? love poop. I know. But I also am trying to uh, submit this somewhere. So I was like, maybe I'll think of the Duke of Dookie another place. Anyway, um, so I didn't want to read like kids, kids books, but I do. So I did decide to go back into like YA uh, fantasy and sci-fi. And a lot of these authors were my favorite authors uh growing up in that genre were actually women um and so i read a lot of ursula k Le Guin, and i was um a lot of people were actually delving into her stuff and i think it's because she died fairly er- recently ish like in the past few years um but also i realized i hadn't finished reading like all the novels by another author i like named robin mckinley and so um, if you're not familiar with either of them, Ursula K. Le Guin, sci-fi author, did YA and adult science fiction. Um, her uh, books, uh, ha- hold on, <laughs> A Wizard of <laughs> Earthsea trilogy um, is very, very highly acclaimed because it was YA and yet the themes are very advanced. Um, her middle novel in that trilogy is very feminist. Has um, and and her protagonist in throughout the trilogy is a guy who is not white, and so um, and she deals with you know concepts of death and stuff like that. So, um, and then her sci-fi novels also like uh, the Left Hand of Darkness deals with gender issues um, in a way that made me really think about it when I was a kid. So. I was doing a reread of her, but then also I remembered that Robin Kinley, I hadn't finished all of her books because she's maybe had, I think, a total of 15, 20 books. And like after a while, 
you know, I hadn't finished them. So I started picking up a few that I hadn't missed. But I would highly recommend because I reread these like every few years are her the ones that she's the most well known for, which is um, she got a Newbery Honor for the Blue Sword and then a Newbery Award for the Hero and the Crown. Um, and her deal is taking um, fantasy and doing a feminist twist on them. And I remember they did like her other book that she's really well known for is Beauty, which is a retelling of Beauty and the Beast that kind of empowers um, beauty a lot or rose a lot more than you have seen. Like that's why I was actually kind of sad when I saw Beauty and the Beast because this book did it so well. Um, And pretty much consistently she's done some really, really, really good uh, feminist fantasy. And she also has a very nice writing style. It's very elegant, I think. Um, and usually they are set in sort of whatever her fantasy world. Um, the w- most recent books I've been reading that I hadn't read before, um, though, one is called Dragon Haven, which is actually kind of weirdly contemporary and has a dude, a teenage boy as a lead. And that took me a while to adjust to because I was like, I don't get this. This is like the language is too, uh, you know, contemporary and whatever. But it's actually really good in in some ways. It's kind of similar to dragon the dragon blood series and then how to train your dragon where it's a boy who like raises a dragon a a dragon hatchling or whatever um but this one is set in more of a science fiction universe uh and what else (laughs) uh and oh yeah one more novel i would say from robin mckinley i really enjoyed is um it's i think it's an adult novel um but it's still very fantastical and feminist and it is called sunshine and it deals with vampires so i don't i don't know how to like sum up the feeling of them but they're always a worthwhile ride because she creates her world very well all right so what about you myron what's popping with you so it's the end of the year, which means that The Expanse is back on Amazon Prime. Uh, season 5 just started airing earlier this month. And man, it's real good. <laughs> uh, people who know me know that The Expanse is one of my favorite shows um, that's airing right now. Um, it's based on a series of novels by James S.A. Corey. And man, it's just good TV. Um, for those of you who like um, conflict science fiction fantasy uh, with a mix of action, adventure, and politics. Um, it's definitely worth checking out. Every episode this season has been a banger, and it's really cool because a lot of the things that they've been laying out over the last four seasons are being um, cashed in. And especially this past episode, um, episode four, the show had its red wedding moment where the entire status quo of the world has been forever changed. And I'm really excited to see where the show goes. Um, the Expanse is actually a pretty hard show to sell sometimes because um, it is pretty dense sci-fi. Um, but if you're into that kind of thing, it's definitely a must watch. Um, but for those of you on the fence, um, here are a couple of reasons why you should watch The Expanse. Number one, the world building is fantastic. Um, The story takes place in the future where humanity has colonized much of the solar system. Um, There's three main factions, Earth, Mars, which um, are two sovereign nations, with Mars being a former colony that has been independent for a couple of centuries. And the Belt, which is a series of space stations and moon bases across the asteroid belt and the outer planets. Uh, where the working class of the system, where they called belters, live um, to mine, 
to mine metals and minerals uh, for consumption and manufacturing. And so it's a really interesting world where um, racism as we know it doesn't exist. Um, People aren't necessarily judged by the way they look or the color of their skin, but they're still definitely judged by where they are from. Um, Racism has evolved, so to say. People from Earth um, dislike people from Mars and look down on people from the belt. Uh, Mars hates Earth and also looks down on people from the belt. And people from the belt um, hate Mars and Earth because they represent their capitalist oppressors. And so it's a really interesting um, world that extrapolates the problems that we have in our current world um, into the future. Um, And the story opens with the three factions being basically at a boiling point. Earth and Mars are in the middle of a cold war with each other and the belt, and there is unrest forming in the belt in the form of the OPA, which is a um, kind of like a socialist revolutionary group that has been gaining power, um, advocating for belter and workers' rights. Um, I know that was a lot, but if any of that sounds interesting, you should definitely check out The Expanse. Um, the second reason is the cast is amazing. The Expanse has one of the most diverse casts I've seen on TV. Uh, and just to give you an example, um, half of the main cast are female and none of them are white. And they all play pretty powerful characters, um, characters that are experts and characters with power. You have a black woman who plays a very capable space engineer. You have a First Nations indigenous woman who plays a space pirate queen. Um <laughs> And an Iranian woman who plays the Secretary General of the United Nations, who is pretty much like the president of Earth. Um, the writing team is also pretty diverse. Um, the showrunner is Narin Shankar, who is pretty well known in the science fiction industry. Um, I believe he started as a writer on the original Star Trek The Next Generation. We respect that. No, he's he's always done a great job in making sure and not just like even like just one like identity but it, it's it's a very diverse across the board yeah main cast main series regular so respect yeah i just i just don't think i'm smart enough to appreciate sci-fi marvin they ask like hard questions and i just want to see like space wizards fight it's, each other sometimes i mean i think you would like it it's not even that hard i mean uh, <laughs> i'm i'm a i'm a i'm more i always lean more towards the fantasy because i do like this like age-old tale of good versus evil. Well, I mean, here's the thing. So, um, like, the way that the books are written, the way that each season has played out, I mean, each story is, like, a different genre. So season one, or book one, is kind of like a neo-noir detective story. Season two is a Cold War political thriller. Season three is a haunted house story. Um, Season four is a Western. And season five is a disaster story. Shh, no spoilers. (laughs) If I do decide to watch, no spoilers. Yeah. I yeah, I I actually love sci-fi and especially reading really good intricate sci-fi. Um, if they can get me to care about the politics or the science of it, um, then that's always a win because I feel like that's really good writing. I just haven't gotten into the show because, like you said, it's sort of like Game of Thrones, where you have to commit to it and you can't be half-assed about it, and. For some reason, like if you miss the boat at the beginning, like I was just like, okay, I need to find time to devote my whole ass to it. And I haven't yet. (laughs) But the thing is, like the story, once it gets going, it moves like you can go through the entire story. Like it's not like um, I feel like Game of Thrones got slow at points. Well, I mean, I've watched like the first three or four episodes and I keep starting it over again and over and again (laughs) and just have it. 
maybe it's like I haven't found the characters I've liked yet, and that's maybe a huge part of it. It's notorious um, for starting slow, like the first. Yeah, yeah, I don't kick off until really see episode nine of season one. Well, episode yeah. four is where it kicks off. Episode four is when, um, like the conspiracy, like basically episode four is unveiled. when the, the first shocking scene happens, and episode four is when they get their ship. You mean yeah. the the you mean the two the siblings fucking each other in the tower? <laughs> no, no, this is not Game of Thrones. This is not Game of Thrones. She's, I mean, she's episode, like episode, episode four is when you get your hero ship, the Rosinante, which is um, I did get the there. main ship. Yeah, and <laughs> you know these sci-fi shows they also live and die by their their hero ships, like your Millennium Falcons, your Serenities, and the Rosinante is a really really cool ship named after Don Quixote's horse, which has that, you know literary. I'll, significance also a spelling word that i lost the spelling b <laughs> oh i'm so sorry Han. it's okay it's gonna be okay it's gonna be okay the funny thing is they didn't pronounce it like that they pronounced it rosinante or something like that and then <laughs> and so i was like what the fuck so i was Did like you challenge the decision well so I've, i of course i spelled it with like rosin r-o-s-i-n because rosin is what you put on your horsehair bow when you well do that yes. Yes. yes that's on the the spelling bee person for not pronouncing it correctly because rosinante is a spanish word well you can you can pronounce there are many pronunciations for words so that's the problem um and of course the the one thing i have to tell you never do this to a person and when they come to you and they say well the word i lost on is this and say oh i know that word so that's what my of course my spanish teacher told me when as soon as i she was like oh what did you lose on i said that and she's like oh you mean don don quixote's horse rocinante and i was like fuck you lady <laughs> you know this is middle school too this uh, is not a rocinante is not a proper noun you can use it as a word like um it also means uh, workhorse yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. It's okay. Become, Sorry. I'm it's not. Been I'm not very. I confession time. I actually never read any of the books they assigned us <laughs> in like high school or college. I kind of just sparks noted it and like slid by. So I don't know anything. I also don't love Don Quixote as as the story. So yeah. Um, but yeah. Like, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I mean. So here's the thing. Like I've been trying to convince a lot of people to watch The Expanse, and it's hard to. But everyone who has watched it and gotten through like like at least season two are hooked you need to have a stronger selling point marvin you need to just lie to me and tell me that they just bone in space and they I'll do watch bone it. in space in the first yeah. in the first episode there is literally boning in zero See? gravity okay you don't so i know sh- your audience just, just just say that you don't have to say about it's just say <laughs> oh there's boning in space like okay i'll check it out there are also hot guys on it See, okay like- i'll check it out <laughs> yeah and hot girls okay okay Right now, currently, the main bad guy is a charismatic asshole, but he's hot. Yeah, there's your rake. See, there we go. Why? That's what you <laughs> should Burying be telling the lead. me. Okay, <laughs> know your audience, like Han said. Um, so one of the things that they're doing this season, like last season for season four, they dropped all ten episodes at once, and I stayed up all night watching season four. They're doing something different. They're doing the same thing that did they did with the boys, where they dropped the first three episodes first and then the rest of the season is weekly and yeah i do not like because i need to know so um uh, the expanse is one of those shows that have perfected basically every single episode ends on a cliffhanger yeah. so like as like most shows should <laughs> if you are writing them correctly yeah do, i think people just forget what like broadcast 
like dramas, like yeah. straight dramas used to be like. I was like, yeah, that's like what you're kind of supposed to do. But I'm, <laughs> the, I'm just so used to like knowing what happens. The Netflix next, letting know? the moment land. Yeah. <laughs> the, but that also means like the Netflix model means that a lot of episodes aren't as strong um, because yes, they 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 just know that they can bleed over to the next episode and the next episode. So sometimes the times are like arbitrary, yeah. um, and then you get Netflix bloat, which is the storytelling bloat. Um, which I like. You can tell certain shows. You're just like, why is this 13 episodes? <laughs> and 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 they're like they go oh, yeah. run into like 75 minutes or yeah. 80, and it's just like, what the fuck is this? So yeah, I like a tight ship. Um, <laughs> and when you think about like one of my favorite shows is Fleabag. Those episodes are 22 minutes or less. And those are amazing. Like you go through so much in that amount of time. So that's why I'm just like, hey, I know you complain that like every, not complain, but like every episode ends on a cliffhanger. That's because it should. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it means I have to wait a week be- in between. And I like kids. These, Back these, in the day, we days, had to watch things and they would come out once a week only at a certain time. I mean, yeah, like A, it's good to have something last because I tend to binge, so I tend to mm-hmm. watch everything at once. So it, you know, it helps make this uh, piece of content last for longer. Um, and also, what I'm finding is, like, one of the good parts is, like, with that week in between, I have time to kind of decompress yeah. and, like, and follow up and, like, do the debrief, like, read the recaps, watch the reactions of every episode. This, um, yes, this is why I argue for the weekly episode because you appreciate it more, and you have the conversation, and it, I don't, I don't know, and I think also they're smart for releasing on a weekly model now, even though previous ones have been like dropped all dropped all at once because Netflix is giving us way too much stuff. Like, yes, I understand Bridgerton had to do that thing, but like the weekly model means that people are talking about it a lot longer. Than mm-hmm. like a concentrated two weeks, um, but so, yeah. <laughs> at the same time, I really need to know what happens next. Just gotta wait, Marvin. Is is your girlfriend into Expanse? No, she's oh. more into The Crown. Okay, um, so she couldn't get into say... Bridgerton. I think she had the same issues. <laughs> it's because watched... the, the better ones, like basically, once the Duke starts taking off his clothes, you're like okay like it's bad but i'll just look at him yeah it's uh, i so want you to watch this show and like have a discussion with us (laughs) yes please and we were supposed to talk about the expanse but yeah (laughs) yeah i mean there really isn't much more to say just um anyone's anyone who's interested in the hottest sci-fi tv series who's interested in good tv and is looking for something exciting to watch um check it out all five seasons of the expanse are on amazon prime right now and i mean it's good you should watch it you you should watch the expanse and yeah that's the last what's popping for 2020 slash the first what's popping for 2021 Um, when we come back let's take a look back at 2020 and look forward to 2021 stick around We're still here and we're going strong. It's an exciting time in Asian America. There are more movies, TV shows, books, and music reflecting us than ever. But all of these represent just a small slice of Asian American culture and experiences. So what do we do? 
Tell more slices. Asian Americana is a show that explores these slices of distinctly Asian American culture and history. We've talked about how Chinese Americans built California's Sacramento Delta, the art scene turns gallery institution giant robot, a play that explores the lost Cambodian pop music of the 60s and 70s, and, of course, Boba, just to name a few stories. You can find Asian Americana at asianamericana.com or on your podcast app. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. Like we mentioned, it's the end of 2020. So for this episode, we're going to take a look back at some of the good pop that got us through the year, as well as our hopes for the upcoming year. So in preparation for this episode, I asked everyone to uh, come up with a couple of speaking points. Um, so we're going to go down the list and talk about what we needed and didn't need in 2020, as well as what we want and don't want to see in 2021. Um, so yeah, let's start with something positive. What's something that we definitely needed in 2020? Jess, why don't you start? I can't believe that this was only this year. It feels like years ago because it was at the beginning of quarantine, but uh, I, in looking back, I realized there's a lot of great content, um, coming of age stories this year that's centered on people or communities that don't always get centered in these. Um, and some of my favorites have been the series Never Have I Ever, which dropped in April and I binged and I thought it was beautiful and hilarious. Um, and really, you know, starred a hero, a heroine who was weird and awkward, but so self-confident in the way that you don't see like teenage girls being portrayed. And she wasn't perfect, but she was still, uh, she was loved, you know, like, and, and I, I love seeing that. Like, like we, we've gotten a lot of, I think like when we think teen movies and we think like, I, I really don't like John Hughes movies. Like I, I don't, <laughs> I just don't. I do not relate to them. I do not relate to like a suburban Chicago, like white male or female experience. Um, whereas, but I know a lot of people hold that in like high regard and I just, I just never got it. But things like never have I ever, or uh, the half of it, which also came out this year, crazy. That was Alice Wu's only her second feature after saving face, uh, 15 years between movies, which I was just like, low key crept up on me and like punched me in my heart because it's just it's so subtle it's so delicately done um it's not cheesy and i just really like kind of the nuance and the layers that we're getting from these coming of age stories and i think content about that experience is so important i can still probably quote the movies that i was obsessed with when i was like 11 to 13 there's just something about that age where you are imprinted like forever and it, it changes who you are as a person so i'm really glad like these waves of content are coming out really really felt really seen i mean obviously biased because these are focusing asian american characters asian female characters but like i'm not a you know i'm not gay and the half of it um i still really related to the half of it and I am, I, I am as I, I was as awkward and horny, as, <laughs> uh, as Devi in Never Have I Ever, but not as not as conf, not as not as brave. Like I never went out and was like, I'm gonna get laid this year in high school. <laughs> so maybe like 
you know, aspirational in that sense. <laughs> Teenage aspirational. Yeah. So love it. Love love complicated. Love showing that girls can be weird and messy and gross, but still deserve love and kindness and friendship and deserve to be the center of the screen. So let's do more of that, please. Yeah. It's hard to believe that we had so many this year because I think for so long we were so starved of these types of stories. Not these types of stories, but these types of stories told this way. Yeah, and I think traditionally it's been like, I think the the apatow of it all for the last 10 years was like kind of just took that space. Um, and then, of course, just like last year or two years ago, we got Booksmart, right, which is like a, centered on two female high school nerdy girls. Um, so so I think I do think like for a while it was like the it like I don't know, like, I mean, we could talk about economics and like streaming and comedies and that mid tier level movie that doesn't get made in anymore but um you know the first wave is always going to be the standard you know the traditional standard bearers and then now we are getting into that phase where we're looking at the other stories which are so much interesting like i don't need to see another movie about a white guy who wants to lose virginity like i don't (laughs) good luck dude but like i don't yeah Han, what did you need in 2020? I mean, there were multiple things, and I'll only touch on the first two quickly. But one was all the Regency romance from Emma to Bridgerton to all the novels I read. Um, Just something about that time period is very interesting. Um, I'd also say there is a great... A lot of people say it was a great white awakening, and that is very true. But I think there's also a great outraged awakening among people i don't necessarily think it was permanent but it was very good for a while for i i felt that a lot of people kind of understood that there were a lot more inequities than they were really paying attention to and so i'm not necessarily saying that there was it was great to have so many people taken down but honestly a lot of those people taken down have still have power made a lot of money and Mm -hmm. um and they hurt a lot of people along the way. So honestly, removing them from that power um, helped, hopefully, that more people won't get hurt in the future. So, but like, I don't want to like end on a note of like Schadenfreude and like being mean spirited. So, <laughs> um, the thing I think I really appreciated was uh, we touched on this already with Bridgerton, but there was a lot of color conscious casting for our period projects um, from The Great on Hulu. Uh, of course, it was the uh, Hamilton coming back, but it it became a, a very big cultural touchstone again um, for Disney Plus. And everyone did watch it. Like even my friend in, in Dallas, Texas, who never watches TV, that was like her introduction back into TV um, because I gave her my uh, she, I gave her a profile on my Disney Plus. <laughs> and then uh, David Copperfield, as we had discussed, and then Bridgerton and, you know, all of these do it in different ways, um, somewhat imperfect ways, like when, let's say, with Bridgerton. But at the same time, like, I think all of it, what it does is just gets people thinking, like reframing what they think about history. And these are all very much not just, hey, this was historically exactly how it was. And so, like, you know, there are plenty of projects that do that, and some of them do it well. Like, I think um, Harlots on Hulu does it really well. It's color-conscious casting, but it is historically accurate. Um, but, you know, I, I just, 
think that this one empowers um, people of color to see themselves in these roles because these are like most period stuff that we see is Western and so in origin. And so it's really great to see that. And I think it's also just like just like theater. Just get the best person for the part. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and you'll be surprised of like all the people who like really I don't know, shine in these roles. Like I never would have said no to Dev Patel as David Copperfield, but maybe I wouldn't have thought of him in the first place. And he was so good. So uh, <laughs> looks great in a waistcoat. Just uh, in a waistcoat. Wonderful. With his curly hair. I mean, he will forever be my David Copperfield. Um, yeah. So very much a fan of that. I would like to see more of it in different ways. And um, that's I've noticed that's also influenced a lot of what I've been reading, too. Um, but anyway. are you more like specifically more Regency than like Victorian? Um, I, I I like Regency just because it's such a tight little period. But honestly, I'm totally fine with Victorian, too. And I've been reading yeah. a lot of that, too. Yeah. So they follow the similar roles. <laughs> Yeah, different yeah. monarchs. I, I like the Victorian because it was much stuffier, so you could break more things, which makes it hotter. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it. The Victorian era is also known for a lot of smut. Uh, so, <laughs> because the more repressed you are, the more there's going to the, the be smuttier gets. Yes. Yeah. 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 So if you if you just like Google the pearl and Victorian erotica, then you will find some stuff. Um, but yes, uh, that that reveals a lot about my knowledge of <laughs> historical things. Um, but yeah, and I, I think that's also part of it is just like letting us into the playground of this uh, repressed, smutty era. <laughs> anyway, so yeah. Marvin, how are you? So for me, it would be the serendipitous release of Animal Crossing right on the eve of the COVID lockdown. And Animal Crossing to me has always been kind of like a boring game where you don't really do anything. But it's also the first video game that I've played with my girlfriend like together. And who knew that it would appear at a time when everyone would have nowhere to go and no, like no way to go outside. And who knew we would be able to, you know, pick up weeds, do gardening, do some interior <laughs> decorating, um, maintain a garden while we're all stuck at home during this time. So definitely, I think what the world needed during at least the first like half of quarantine was Animal Crossing on the Nintendo yes. Switch. There was a tweet early on where someone was like, oh, no, I have to finish my real chore so I can go on Animal Crossing to do chores. (laughs) I still haven't gone back to it because I was getting stressed out by my Animal Crossing chores that I had. I I realized, like, as soon as I turned it on one time that I was, like, getting anxious because I was like, there's no way I can get it all done. And then I realized you don't have to. I mean, Um, there's no time limit. And there's just (laughs) I think it's. Especially during the first, like, the opening of quarantine where everyone was, like, super anxious. And to be fair, rightly so, I feel like people should be more anxious now I think because things are way worse than they ever were back in, like, March or April. But, like, just having something monotonous to do 
Yeah. Um, really it's gentle. Helped. It's sweet, and uh, there's no winning yeah. or losing. <laughs> you just you just make an island. You vibe with friends. Yeah, it's great. Did you log how? Did you do the end of year Nintendo thing where they tell you how many hours you spent on your oh, Switch? I've, I've um, I've taken a look. Yeah, it's not it's not pretty, but you know, I've always put a lot of hours in the video games, so uh, it's not that surprising. Um, but have you guys been doing the winter stuff? Yeah, Building I've been boys. making snowboys, perfect little snowboys. I and haven't gotten the perfect one yet. My head is always too big. Mm. It's sad. Yeah, you got you got to have a discerning eye. Um, and I also was like, I was very morally against this in the beginning, and now I don't care. I've been time traveling, <laughs> so I jump back and forth from like because I want to finish. Yes. I stopped playing from like I stopped playing. I was like all in like. April, the first two months when like everyone was playing, and then I dropped off in the summer, so I missed all the summer fish and the summer bugs. So like I've been hopping back between like August and like this week of December to like do winter and fish. So, but only only you know what? Only Animal Crossing God can judge me. <laughs> I, I mean, haven't crossed that yet. I still play. According to the rules, I am a wow. rule, rule what follower. What a square! What a square! You do you, just like whatever you need to get you through yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Han. Thank you for your support. Yeah. All right. We talked about what we needed in 2020. Let's talk about what we didn't need in 2020. Just what didn't you need in 2020? Oh man! So as a lady of Chinese descent. <laughs> This has not been a good year for us, Jay. It just has not. Um, not because of us, because people just are racist as fuck. And that has bled over into the pop culture realm. And I'm just so sick of it. Like, like if anyone knows how bad China and Chinese people can get, it's Chinese people. Like, believe me, we know. And it's just, there's no nuance in the conversation. There's no, there's like, and the really dumb people in the world there is no distinction between chinese government and chinese people and chinese american people and you and you know there's just like no distinction and i'm like of course i don't support the atrocities of the chinese government i got nothing to do with them like why are you blaming me or like why and i mean the whole conversation the whole china ball has bled into movie making and economics of movie making. And I'm just so tired of having this conversation. It's like, you know, China can, China is its own sovereign government. And if they want to censor shit and they want to, they want to, you know, put like, 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 you know, if they're being homophobic and they don't want to allow gay characters, like, I'm not saying that's right, but they are going to do that. And, you know, America doesn't have to play ball, but we are greedy and we want their money. So we're playing ball. And I'm like, why don't you just get mad at America instead of China? Like, it's ultimately Hollywood's decision whether or not they're going to engage in this or not. And I think Han can talk more about this, but I think it really culminated in the conversation around Mulan. And I just, I think it's like two things at the same time. I think all the criticisms are valid and I think they were way over, uh, way over exaggerated in the context of Mulan. Because why are we not talking about Dune? Dune is a Chinese movie. Why are we, like, where do we draw the line? Like, D- Dune is, uh, is, like, mostly financed by Chinese money. So are you going to boycott Dune? 
you know, we're talking about Wonder Woman, which also has very problematic, like, central star in her, like, international politics. But, like, where's the vitriol there? <laughs> and it's just not fair. And at the end of the day, it's like, it, it's it's never as black and white as people want to, like, think it is. And after all this vitriol and, like, hot takes and, like, lack of nuance and conversation, it's going to be the Chinese-American talent that suffers so yeah yeah it's um or, or asian american in general like mm-hmm. like there's no distinction there and that's why i'm just like i mean it's it's one of those things where it sucks how much reality follows fiction but i guess you know there's always some truth in the stories that we tell and like yes. just like how xenophobic people can be or institutions can be is like just so like it sucks that we've been able to predict these things. Like it's playing out exactly how it would in like a terrible like thriller movie, right? Yeah, and of course Chinese people are not the only ones at the ends of these kind of like dumb racist things, you know, like Muslim our Muslim, you know, folks have been undergoing this for decades now, you know, like it, it's this just like but it's just there's such a sharp concentrated like explicit uptick this year for obvious reasons obvious dumb reasons and you know i just like you know there's like some comedian was like like it's not even like it's it's like not even like they're not even trying to hide it they're just like oh it's fine like it just makes me so mad um there's no there's and it's just so like aren't we shouldn't we have moved on from this point like aren't we aware that like like shouldn't we didn't we just go through like several years of like trying to progress and understanding that that is wrong but no um and then now with this whole second strain it is really funny that like the second strain of covid that's been popping up um that was originally discovered in the uk and all these like british people are mad about like why are you calling the uk strain like it's not our fault. And I'm just like sitting here. I'm like, hmm. drink tea, which is a Chinese thing. You motherfuckers. Okay. It's not a British <laughs> thing. It's a Chinese thing. It's from China. Oh my God. So the, the conversations yeah. <laughs> I could have about tea, <laughs> literal tea, right? Right, right, right. Literal tea. And then, you know, figurative tea. But yeah, like I, I remember the British conversation as far as like tea goes. They're like, you don't, it's somewhat, it's like when I went to, when I went to, I went somewhere and I was talking about like, I think I was talking about like Belgian chocolate versus French chocolate. And my history teacher in high school was like, there's no such thing as Belgian or French chocolate. What? Chocolate doesn't fucking grow. He didn't say fucking. This is like, I was somewhere. He's like, chocolate doesn't grow there. I was like, um, you are a hundred percent right, sir. Ironically, it was a white man. Um, my history teacher was like, he's like, yeah, there's no like chocolate like cacao doesn't grow in belgium cacao doesn't grow in france i was like you're right (laughs) it's not british tea tea doesn't grow in britain (laughs) it's in china india taiwan i just just remember god what was it like maybe two decades ago i was at work and someone was saying like outraged and it was like and then they served tea and they didn't do it the right way and i was like what's the right way it's like with milk and I'm just like, that's not the right way. <laughs> okay, you know what? Take your PG tips yeah. bag D and like just leave. Okay, yeah. no 
Or just you could go. just say the British way. And then I'd been like, okay, you're right. You know, they do like it with milk and whatever. But like, and then, so she's like, yeah, you have, that's the proper way. And so I just looked at her. I was like, that's not how we drink it. And then, um, of course, in England, you know, I'm t- being told like how I don't drink, drink my tea, right? They're just like, um, my, my ex's uh, mom is a huge snob because she, even though she's American, she is now in her mind British and apparently you know like a Madonna kind of situation kind of and so like she'll say stuff like we you know we don't do that here um if you want to like understand the ultimate in British snobbiness it is if you ask for a container at a place to get your leftovers they act like you're taking a doggy bag home for yourself like 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 it's trash um and it's just the weirdest sort of like thing I've ever encountered and I asked my friend who was married to a British guy and she's like you're right like his friends are like act acted like I was bringing home like a doggy bone for him to eat and and, and I was just like yeah I don't get it but anyway I'm sure COVID has changed maybe some of their thoughts about stuff anyway um but <laughs> yeah but but Han I think this basically yeah. is very much <laughs> also related to it's very what yeah. you are gonna what you don't need in 2020 yes. I mean, the, the racist stereotyping, as you're saying, is also a product of like not great Asian portrayals and um, on our screens. And that is usually because whoever is behind the scenes, director, writer, creator, whatever, the creative behind it is usually not Asian or there's or the, the Asians behind the scenes aren't high enough. You know, you can have the Asian costume designer or whatever, but that's not going to matter if like the writer and the director isn't having like doesn't have the ear of an Asian person actually consulting and doing stuff. It just so there are a lot more things going on with Mulan that we could probably dig into. But I mean, ultimately, it was a New Zealand, you know, director, white writers and that's why you got a lot of things that were overly over the top about like your chi and it uh, the music was also done by a white dude and it felt very orientalist and i felt like it was a waste of some of the best talent that we have i mean of course they didn't have to work so and do big things um that talent was, of course, for the Chinese audiences who, you know, a lot of Western people might not have known who they were. But at the same time, I was like depressed because I was like, oh, my God, I really wanted to see you do more. Um, it, it just there were so many like lost opportunities. And I want to move on from Mulan because Mulan could be a whole big thing. And I don't want it to become an international affair. Um, but like the five bloods, uh, of course, I have a really big issue with most Vietnam War portrayals, uh, Vietnamese American, you know, stories, because, I mean, the Vietnam War is a very big deal here in America, clearly. And there are a lot of, people are still trying to figure out what the hell they should be feeling, you know? Um, And I get that. And honestly, I do think it's, you know, very much an American and Vietnamese sort of story. So I get that a lot of Americans are still trying to work it out. And for Spike Lee to do his story um, from the point of view of Black Americans, I think is very, very much needed and worthwhile. I do wish he had also tried to incorporate a bit more of the Vietnamese point of view, though. 
And uh, every Vietnamese person in there was just like, with the exception of maybe Hanoi Hana, uh, who was, uh, you know, just the voice, you know, but everyone was either a cliche or kind of a throwaway person. Just, you just you, like you got a guy named like Johnny Nguyen, who is like a leading man in Vietnam. And he's like plays a tour guide or something here. Um, another prominent Vietnamese, you know, role is basically a former prostitute who had a child with one of these guys. And so it's just like, I'm very, very tired of having to see this. And I'm just waiting for a Vietnam War story that is mainstream American, that is, told from a Vietnamese person um, with any sort of nuance. Um, but we see, we kept seeing this, you know, with any, like we were saying, it doesn't matter if it's Chinese or Vietnamese or whatever, all the Asian stuff is not done well. So we got Japanese Week and Great British Bake Off, <laughs> which we have <laughs> oh discussed. We have discussed lack of nuance and lack of accuracy and lack of just any sort of respect for you know, the actual culture. Um, and then I, the last one I would have to say is like, you could take your pick, but uh, the Vietnamese character Quinn in the old guard, the old guard in general is a very enjoyable movie. And I was still very happy to see it's uh, it's Veronica. No, in it again. And she does a good job. Um, originally in the comic books, the character was supposed to be Japanese. And so my issue <laughs> is the trajectory where that she's on is most likely she's going to be the villain, right? With like not really spoiling it at this point, you should have seen it or whatever. Um, but when you think about even like if this character was supposed to be Japanese, but even if she's Vietnamese at this point, fine. And they changed the plot so that like you know her name and her appearance was in accordance with a lot of Vietnamese. Um, there were a lot of Vietnamese warrior women in the past. So that was cool. That's not something that's usually paid attention to. But um, I think that my biggest issue is, again, when you have very few Asians in your cast, then how you portray these Asians, again, means a lot more. And so if she's villainized and if she's treated as a crazy Asian and someone who is sneaky and you cannot and deceitful that you can't tell what she's thinking, um, that's very much a stereotype. <laughs> so, like, I had this issue with um, Hong Chao in Watchmen from last year. Um, her her storyline was just a mess of Vietnamese, just like hodgepodge thrown together. And I just feel like it's continuing on this year. I I think let's say in Lovecraft Country, they did a decent job with the um, with the Korean storyline, but it's also because they had an Asian writer on that script. Um, what she kind of didn't get much to do for the rest of the season, though. So <laughs> it just it just always plays out exactly how it, you expect it to with the amount of people behind the scenes who know better. So ah, it was very tiring, and yeah. and yeah, lack of good representation just leads to more. Uh, racist stereotyping in the real life. I think that's why I didn't watch a lot of. I still haven't seen the Five Bloods, mm, mostly don't. because of all like the the um, the lukewarm reception from like people that I trust in the Vietnamese, Vietnamese American community. Um, 
In the same way, how I haven't necessarily watched, I haven't watched Wonder Woman 84 yet, despite having HBO Max. Okay. I feel like I should at some point because, you know, it's I would an interesting. Say I've been holding off, but I would say put it on in the background while you're doing something because I think that's how it would be less painful. <laughs> it's two and a half hours, I man. think it's, I think it's going to have a cult classic status in 15 years. <laughs> that's my feeling. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> I, have, I haven't watched it either, but I'm also just like, a part of me is always just like, guys, it's a superhero movie. I don't know what you expect. Um, like, I can take a lot, but I can take a lot. Like, I watch Michael Bay movies for fun. So if if you want a really crappy movie that I think might become a cult classic because it's so bad, it's uh, Wild Mountain Time. I heard about that. I heard it's like B movie meets like <laughs> it's but but it's but so like deliberately weird, right? Yeah, it's deliberately weird, but also very bad because it's set in Ireland, and Christopher Walken plays one of those Irish people. Okay, but like that had to have been a choice. So I'm sure oh. we'll understand. I'm sure we will catch up with. I think it's John Patrick yes. Shanley. Yes, we it will is. Catch up with him in ten years. Yes. We, we will get it in ten. years. All of these are choices, but I have to say, I wasn't bored. It was just really weird the whole time. And I love him. It's like Emily Blunt and is uh, it Matthew Jamie, Good or no, J- Jamie Dornan? Jamie Dornan. I love, love all of them. Matthew Good. Jamie Dornan cannot act in my opinion <laughs> so it's okay he's hot he's also a bad interview yeah he's, he's hot um but he's also a bad, bad interview yeah. but marvin what what, yeah. what do you, what are you happy to leave behind in 2020 so i thought about this a lot and my first pass was actually seen similar to hans which is like um asian projects written or directed by like non-asians um but i thought about it some more and you know what really bummed me out this year was the loss of the and granted, unfortunately named Sue Plantation, but also the beloved Sue Plantation. Let's just call it Sweet Tomatoes, um, just, which is the less offensive name of it. But And like buffets and restaurants in general, I think. Oh my God, I was thinking about that yeah. today. I was literally driving from like an errand and I was like, man, I miss a buffet. Mm-hmm. I, I think about the the buffet and the sharing of food and like what kind of food types are going to go away and buffets are definitely still like going to be so hard to bring back i mean obviously hot pots and stuff like that are not going to be like the first thing back but buffets really i'm just like holy crap how how are they going to do that again um and i feel like buffets are such like a like it's something that you're intimately familiar with if you're if you come from like a working or middle class family because like it's the like, you know, back in the day, the hometown buffet trips or like if you remember Sir George's or even, you know, the shitty Chinese buffets, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, the post funeral shitty Chinese <laughs> buffet wake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll even take one of those right now. I would definitely. I mean, th- you, when you think about like the the familiness of it all. <laughs> yeah. It's always an occasion where we all everyone can just like stuff their face with as much food as they want. And like. I don't know about you. I don't know about you guys, but my buffet strategy was always piles of food. <laughs> oh, I mean, every like, family member had a different strategy in my family, and yeah. I, you know, like for me, it was like you know, low on the the rice and noodles, and more on the seafood. My uncle was one hundred percent that he literally 
only would get the crab legs and wouldn't eat anything else. Oh. Crab legs and oysters. Mm-hmm. And then you gotta like wait while they bring out more oysters and you like fight them for it mm-hmm. and like with the tongs. There is yeah, no was... shame when it comes to the buffet strategy. <laughs> and then you get the prime rib, the carved beef station. It's great, man. But yeah, oh, soup plantation. Buffets. Soup plant- I just made the tuna tarragon salad for dinner last night. <laughs> How did it turn out? Was it um, nostalgia or was it disappointment? I have I have successfully recreated about 60% of what I typically eat. It's just so hard to do it all at one time, which is the beauty of a buffet, right? You have a little bit of everything. So I do think once things are safe and everyone's vaccinated and healthy, I will throw sweet tomato potluck parties mm. for friends like hey do you miss like we'll all like just bring one dish and we'll recreate the experience you know i'll yeah. play like the soundtrack of a screaming baby in the background Aww. and like you know like old ladies fighting like chinese because like chinese people love sweet tomatoes because it's so cheap mm-hmm. like like it's you can tell you're is, like, at a soup plantation slash sweet tomatoes in a chinese area if when there's there white a, rice. And if there's a giant line for the For the chicken, chicken soup. soup. <laughs> which I was yeah. always more... I like the cream-based soup better. So I like the cream of like cream of no, mushrooms. The chi- their chicken soup was very good. I, I made my own chicken soup. I've made my own... Um, I've made my... I've made the Jones Broccoli Madness <laughs> and everything. So it, it's getting there. But it's, it'll never be the same. Yeah. The R. muffins... R. The muffins. <laughs> R.I.P. Soup and salad buffets. R.I.P. Buffets in general. <sighs> All right. And dim sum. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dim sum, dim hot sum. pot, KBBQ. Mm-hmm. All yeah. right. All right. So 2020 in the books. 2021, surely this will be the year, right? It couldn't Knock possibly be Burns worse. Burns and sage, some right now, Marvin. Do something right now. No, don't curse our. Don't curse us. All right. So I want to ask you to, uh, what do you? What do we want in twenty twenty one? Like, what are you excited about that's upcoming? I really, really hope movie theaters come back at some point in twenty twenty one, even if it's like the last week of December. And we can all watch like the Christmas release. Mm -hmm. I miss movie theaters so much. Um, Very, especially I felt it. I watched Soul on my my desktop. Um, I don't have a good TV setup. And the TV is in the living room. And I live with my parents. And my Chinese parents don't understand like movie watching like manners. Yeah. They will talk. (laughs) They will yell at each other. They'll turn like there's like there's no peace. It will be interrupted if I watch outside. So I have to watch it in my room, turn off the lights. My desk is not comfortable for like watching movies. And I also think like mentally when I sit at that desk in my room, I think I'm working. Yeah. So like Mm -hmm. even if I'm watching a fun movie, I feel like I'm working and it doesn't feel good. So and I don't really have space for like a like a comfy chair. So like I have to watch at this weird angle, like lying on my bed or sitting on my bed. It's it's not ideal. Beautiful movie regardless. But man, I just miss like I'm like, I wish I was eating nachos and drinking uh, like one third of the smallest soda size they offer at the movie theater um, <laughs> and like the popcorn and just, you know, like just getting lost because I also have 
I'm a horrible person who has a temptation to check their phone every two seconds. And you can't do that in a movie theater because people look at you bad. But at home, I could. And I'm like, no, but don't do it. Someone worked really hard for this. Some people so really... still do mm-hmm. right in front of me yeah. at the movie theater. Oh, I yell at them. <laughs> I've, I've kicked chairs. I've yelled at people and they give me dirty looks. I'm like, you want to go? And they just stop. Um, so movie theaters, especially really hope it comes back. It will definitely not be back in time for the movie. I'm actually most excited about that. I know is for sure coming out next year which is Raya and the Last Dragon, which is, I am, um, you know, I'm actually an eight-year-old girl still on the inside, and I love Disney princess movies. I love them. Love Disney movies. Love animated movies. And Raya is so cool. It's beautiful. It's Asian, but Southeast Asian. So let's, like, open up that conversation because going through Twitter, realizing that most people don't know what Southeast Asia is, they're like, she doesn't look Indian. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, girl, you don't know what, like, Southeast Asia is not India. It's not, uh, so. I think you're giving our peers in this country too much credit. I'm totally fine with people not knowing it as long as they're open to learning. I did have to correct it in a story I edited recently. (laughs) As far as. Oh, an adult. Yes, mixing up Southeast Asian and South Asian. So, which I totally am fine with as long as they're open to learning. Um, because, like, when you think about it, like, I don't know necessarily all the differences between all the South American, you know, cultures and all the African countries. So I, I'm, I'm okay giving a little bit of a pass, you know, like, as long as they're open to learning. And they tried. They got it wrong. But they tried. <laughs> so. uh, yeah. And, you know, it was the movies written by Kui, uh, who I'm a big fan of. He's a play- playwright, very, very beloved in the theater community, very beloved, very quirky, very like out of the box, Viet American playwright, Anna Dalim, who co wrote um, Crazy Rich Asians, and she is Malaysian, Thai, Chinese. Yeah. So it's, it's, I, I'm, I'm happy. I mean, like, I think it's good. It's a very interesting conversation that I'm sure we'll talk about, but it's a conversation of what is, appropriation versus what is appreciation and i would argue there is no bigger global platform than one of disney studios's main franchises which is marvel or disney princess yeah and to have a southeast asian disney princess join the ranks is pretty incredible in my book and also this new trend that disney's been doing with like princesses that like are more active in their stories right yeah i kick butt um, are not just damsels in distress. I think that's a good yeah. development. In in general, I have not been a fan of Disney princesses. Like I watch the movies, and they're you know they're classics for a reason. But like I never cared for the actual princesses. Um, Mulan, I was like begrudging because at least she went off and did you know stuff that wasn't just being a princess in a dress. Um, but I do have to say, of course, that I love Moana and Lilo and Stitch. <laughs> And just basically the portrayals of women who are not like the typical like princess in the tower. So I agree. And this one makes me super excited. Like she seems really fun and the action looks fun um, just from the trailer. And I mean, and it's just, you know, regardless of how we personally feel about like all that, it's like it's a Disney princess. This is not (laughs) just going to be a blip even. This is going to be like in the world in their vertical mm-hmm. horizontal integration for a long time coming 
And I, I do think they've been pretty great about complicating and nuancing what a Disney princess is yeah. in the last few movies. Um, you know, and, and just realizing the movie's not for us, but I'm here to enjoy the right. Not like as in like age group, right? The movie's not for us. <laughs> so people who watch like Disney princess movies and are like, wait, that was so obvious. I was like, it's for an eight year old, like in their family. Like, it's OK. Yes, it's obvious. But also they're all obvious. And this is really how we as Americans learn how to consume narrative. <laughs> Like everyone has the baseline of Disney princess. And that's why when people deviate from Disney structure, you're like, that was weird. Yeah. Right. Until you can identify why the majority of people, they will watch a beautifully structured Disney movie because Disney, those animated movies are very like well structured for the most part. And then when, when, and that is like the kind of like, it's like the kids meal, right? It's like the chicken tenders and the fries and you get it and you get that's food. And then when people start complicating it later on, they're like, wait, I don't get it. Um, so yeah, I can't. I I do think I can't overstate like how influential, whether we recognize it or not, Disney animated movies, specifically Disney princess movies, are for young ladies or you know, just young people in general. And I do like that they. And this is the first one that's not a musical, which I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. And it's also there's no love interest, which is interesting. No prince. I'm very excited about that. Uh, which is great. Because also, you know, part of the other deal, I think, from my generation is if you really bought into those movies when you were little, as I did, you got to unlearn a lot of it later on. And that's like a whole journey. That's when you find so out can, there is no prince. <laughs> there's no prince. Um, birds don't talk. I used to get so offended because like birds used to like not hang out with me. Like I would see a wild animal and it wouldn't like fuck with me. And I'd be like. Well, I guess I'm not a Disney princess. Whereas that's so rude. <laughs> whereas during quarantine, I've made friends with many squirrels to the point. Are you a Han? Oh, you're a Disney princess. Yeah, so many people have compared me to Snow White. It's ridiculous because it's like oh, Snow White's annoying though. She can go suck an egg. Yeah, well, as far as like feeding the animals, that is. Oh yeah, but yeah, yeah. um, just because like on many video calls, it'll be like, oh, excuse me a second, and I like lean down and. Sometimes I'll even get them on camera, which is like the squirrel taking a pecan from my fingers. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so yeah. I like that aspect. <laughs> but yes, you're right. I, I very much do appreciate that genre is very brisk, well-structured storytelling. And that's why something should follow like all the rules of genre first before they know how to break the rules in a good way. So, yes. Very much. Very excited. Probably will not be able to see that in the theater, but very excited to watch it. Yeah. How about you, Han? Yeah. Han, what do you want for 2021? <sighs> okay. I do have to agree that I, I miss movies because like you, this is a problem with all um, being a culture editor is watching on my computer screen is work. And so mm-hmm. I have been trying to, there are different ways to get screeners on your TV, but not all the time. Um, but anyway, so I'm looking forward to that vaccines. And then... If we're talking about movies, I am very much, and we don't know if this will actually be in theaters, even though they say it's in theaters in May, which I kind of doubt, but we'll see, is F9. Yes. Um, I'm ready for my sort of namesake, Han, <laughs> to return. Yeah. Um, and I'm excited. That's right. He was set to return. Yeah. We were all so excited from that trailer. Yes. And we didn't get back. any Han. 
justice for Han. Yes, yes. Um, I'm ex- because you know what? There are very few times because my name is not as well like is not very Anglo. So like when I watch Solo, uh, a Star Wars story, that kind of freaked me out hearing my name so many times. Um, I very much look forward to this happening again <laughs> um, with F9 and also the accompanying Fast and the Furious rewatch and conversation that will lead all the way up to it. It supposedly comes out in May. We shall see because I have a feeling for those of us who are not, um, let's say, who are fairly healthy, who are not at risk, who are not like medical, whatever, we personally probably won't get the vaccine uh until maybe around that time june but yeah we'll see um or maybe they'll figure out like a lot better or a lot more (laughs) drive-ins i don't know seeing this at a drive-in might be kind of fun (laughs) but yeah i i'm I'm looking forward to it hopefully we get it um it will be the ultimate it is also uh the first of one of the last few movies of the fast and furious Mm-hmm. canon um franchise so i and this is also still a uh was it justin lynn i think it's i think justin lynn has yeah. signed on for the last three so He's this one and two more trilogy yeah yeah so yeah. this one and two more and oh so i'm super 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 excited about it oh my god and i miss it so much. can we take bets as to what they're gonna do? like how are they gonna top the last like how are they gonna top eight right everything they have like some set piece where I mean, they obviously, the they have to go to space. Do you think that's going to happen in 9, 10, or 11? Oh. There are no roads in space, Marvin. That's probably 11. No, but you can have them in a spaceship. Space would probably be 12. The straight-to-DVD B-movie version of Fast and the Furious with, like, I would all the still D-list watch actors. It. I would still watch it. Whatever it is, I will watch it. Um, I, yeah. I, I think they, they have figured out the tone for all of these, and they know the line, and then they cross it just enough for it to be joyous so yeah <laughs> yes that's a great word to use joyous who do you think they'll get as stunt casting because f9 was what john cena right that was their new john guy. cena who else do we have to like throw in there because we already got the rock we have john cena we already had jason idris elba we already had jason statham oh he's not usual but i would love keanu um, I think Keanu should be the bad guy yeah. in the next, in the last trip. I guess they're gonna follow through with the Charlize one Has at least Keanu for number ever nine. Played a bad guy. Yeah, no, but that what? That's why it would be great. That's like I feel like he has. I I can't remember specifically. Mano Tai Chi wasn't he the bad guy there? Wasn't I mean not a consequential bad guy, <laughs> right? I think Keanu would be great in the he's he's definitely in the action pantheon now. Yeah. Um. He, how many? How many other? I would love I to want, get like. I want Keanu Reeves to play Johnny Utah in yeah. Fast and Furious Ten. Like, I mean, just, yeah, he comes back as Johnny yeah, Utah. Just, just make Point Break and Fast and Furious in the same universe. Wait, but surfing car something or oh my god, I could see this happening. I mean, or a nod to Johnny Utah type character, <laughs> but like he I mean, he is just Fast and Furious that- One is basically Point Break with cars. Because when you I, yeah, <laughs> when you think when you think about yeah, it, he it is. is of that level of this type of wildly and widely appealing actor, you know, um, international. Well, I've seen. I just recently watched Skyfall for the first time, and I cannot get hot, heavy, 
Javier Bardem out of my head Oof. as as the as I forgot his name, but you know, like mm-hmm. the page boy haircut villain. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, let's get him in the mix. Do something weird again because he also played the villain in the Pirates movie, and it was so bad. Um, <laughs> yes. What other Oscar winners can we get? Oh, I just also rewatch on cable Rush Hour Two. And Don Cheadle plays. Mm. I don't know if people remember. Don Cheadle is um, Chris Tucker's like friend mm-hmm. who runs the illegal gambling mm-hmm. like mahjong parlor in the back of the Chinese restaurant, and he speaks like five lines of Cantonese, and it's really good. Ooh, really? Okay. Let's get Don. Che- My mom was watching. He's like, his Chinese is quite good. Like, let's get Don Cheadle in this. I know he's in the Marvel <laughs> thing, but that's over. Let's get him in this. Um. What other Oscar winners are we missing? Helen Mirren's already in it. Oh, let's get like Ian McKellen and like Patrick Stewart in this. Oh, yeah. They, they can be they like... They can play like two goony henchmen, but like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just keep Mark Wahlberg out of it. Yeah, I don't need him. <laughs> we don't need him. That'd yeah. bring it down. All right. What do I want in 2021? You know, this. I, I was thinking about it and I just really want Shang-Chi to not suck. And like I don't know how confident I am that it won't. Like I, I think it'll be think, okay, probably. I don't think Daddy Feige will let it fail. Like honestly, he's not really. I mean, but I don't mean sucking as in like not a good movie, but suck as in like the representation sucks. You know. Uh, I think it's gonna be solid. This uh, I don't know. I have I have good a decent feeling for this. Yeah, I mean, I feel like. Feige and like the people behind like Marvel stuff for the most part have been thoughtful although there have been blatant missteps especially when it comes to Asian representation especially especially Asian mysticism Mm. Um, yeah but you know that like they sell they tell as one story but it's really the it's it's again it's the China of it all (laughs) So I, I think there are obviously other political decisions they had to make about that. Mm. And the easiest way to avoid it is to just not deal with Chinese people in those roles. Yeah. We we also get a director and screenwriter who have a, are of Asian descent. So there's mm. that helps a lot in the tone deafness and like that just walking that line of mysticism. Um, I, I do understand your fears. Like all Asian mysticism is a little cringy, but at the same time, how are we cannot deny that our family is all into that shit. That's true. So just, they just need to find that line. I guess just having a superhero, like having an Asian superhero where his superpower is Kung Fu is just not as exciting to me personally. Although I recognize that it's a big moment. And yeah, like I would like to see Simu Liu become like an action star. That'd be cool. Um, I want to see Aquafina, um, you know, expand her her horizons. I want to see, you know, Tony Leung make his entry into American the- like American cinema. Right? I still can't believe they got Tony Leung to play <laughs> the bad guy in this. That's an insane, <laughs> that's insane, like, coup. Like, yeah. Tony Leung is, I think, one... Of the best living actors we have, period. <laughs> Absolutely, he's yeah. he's he's royalty, basically. He's so good. I mean, they literally invented like lighting rigs for his face because <laughs> that's how good he is. And, yeah, and like oh, such an unknown, yeah. like unless you're like a cinephile, right? Like 
real unknown, but he's been on a lot of like not only great action movies, but also like some pretty top notch artsy films too. Oh like yeah, Wong Kar Wai films like. I love Wong Kar Wai films. And so for me, like that is what I know him from. <laughs> um, and I mean, I would also say I'm excited <laughs> to see, even though it is t- stereotypical um, and you wish his his power wasn't, let's say, Kung Fu. I am excited to hopefully reclaim the Kung Fu and uh, martial yes. arts from yes. because we haven't had that in quite a while, like with the exception of on Cinemax um, Warrior. But like the biggest thing has been the last karate superhero kid. with Kung Fu power was Iron Fist. Yeah. And then yeah. and then on TV, people have been watching, you know, like Karate Kid uh, sequel Cobra, Cobra Kai. Kai. And that's coming back as a third season. And I've. I definitely would love to talk about like the lack of Asianness in all three seasons. Although, didn't isn't season three the return of um, Tamlin Tamita's character and yeah. um, what's his face? But Uji, yeah. yes, um, she's she's gonna be in it. I don't think it's a full plot, um, but we will see how. I have the screeners. I need to watch it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it comes out New Year's Day, so by the time you listen to this, you can watch season three of Cobra Kai and decide for yourself. But also, the the, the martial arts on there is not good. So while it's <laughs> fun, actiony, there's there's an amount of cheese there that you just can't deny. Um, I don't mind cheese, but at the same time, like I have this like craving for martial arts that I don't have not been getting from that sort of thing. So I would love to see some fun, well done martial arts um, set pieces um, on the big screen, especially. Yeah. And you make a good point. Martial arts is ours. Like Kung Fu is ours. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not like, it's like, it's been, it's been commodified by other, other, it's commodified by every um, sensei in this, with a dojo and a strip mall. Right. Mm -hmm. Which I think is really like the whole point of the Cobra Kai aesthetic. And there's a lot of, there's truth, you know, I mean, I feel like th- there's a lot of fruit to kind of invert, subvert, if it's, but as Marvin pointed out, if it's executed well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, right. we got Michelle. We have Michelle Yeoh. We do have Michelle Yeoh. <laughs> if she does not pick up a sword and kick some ass, I have words for somebody. I have words for you, Kevin. <laughs> I mean, she kicks ass even when she doesn't kick ass because um, she can her, kick ass with her eyes. Yeah, her character in Crazy, Crazy Rich, Rich Asians has a, you know, doesn't wield a sword, but wields a. It's like sharp it's tongue. like she's. Have I want to be like I want to be like a mix of her and like Miranda Priestly when I grow up. Have you seen her in Star Trek Disco? Like when she fights, it's so good. Oh yeah, she's beautiful. I mean, yeah, like movement. The movement, yeah. beautiful, right? <laughs> and she's beautiful. All right, our last category: things that we don't want in twenty twenty one. What are some things that we hope we won't see in twenty twenty one? Uh, Jess, when you start us off, I'll keep this short. Stories about COVID, like that, are like like froofy and saccharine, and like, oh, let's all band together. No, fuck that. Let me escape. I'm living it. Don't need to to see narrative films about COVID. And let's stop American remakes of things, because I think we can all read subtitles, and the original versions usually pretty good. If if they're trying to remake it in America, that means it was really good, probably originally. So let's just stop doing that. 
you're not excited Han? about the Parasite uh, adaptation yeah. on HBO? No, it's like with white people. Everything. And I'm just like, oh Mark my Ruffalo. God. Why? The, the Parasite movie is fine. Uh, I've been pissed about this since Infernal Affairs. Mm-hmm. Especially like if you're not adding anything, like why remake it? They're all so bad. Like I can always name the original movie that something's based on that is like a zillion times better. And that comes to like food rom-coms like we were talking about like everything the uh, the vampire movie i said i recommended yeah. they remade it not good so because yeah. it's it's not just translation of like mm-hmm. the language and like the script it's also translation of the co- the context and mm-hmm. so many people miss the translation of the context the acting the directing just everything yeah yeah or like this story takes place in this and the characters <laughs> feel this way and are motivated by this because mm-hmm. of the time and place they are in and then you take just the plot points and then stick it somewhere else and like like or and and i guess even within american like like an american thing like there are a lot of reboots we just don't need mm-hmm. like unless you're gonna do it better and say something new or like just why we already have it we're in a we're in a like a we're in a technological time where you can almost find anything you want just go watch just go watch the thing just go watch the thing (laughs) okay what are your thoughts on reboots again i think it has to say something or it has to be different enough or you have you still have to translate the context yeah right like you have to translate the context and you have to give me a reason to care about this reboot and i think so many things it's just like a novelty or it's like a and I don't mean reboot as in like a reunion, like we're going to get the old cast back together and like do it again. Like that I think could be interesting because we're visiting characters like decades down the line. I think that's that that can be fun. But it's it's just like. Do we, do we need it? No, <laughs> no. Yeah. New stuff, please. Let's let's do new stuff. Yeah. All right. Han, what don't you, what don't you want for 2021? I mean, we're going to get it anyway. I already know of one. There's probably going to be a zillion more, but I don't want more streaming services. Wait, no there's going to be another one? What's the next one? No more. Here's the thing. There are a lot more that you haven't even heard of because they are just the streaming service of a channel that you already know. So the next one that's coming very soon is Discovery Plus, which is the Discovery Networks. And the Discovery Networks are actually a lot of networks I really much enjoy. I just don't want to have to cover this or have to think of, you know, it's my issue is, I mean, first of all, I'm just exhausted. But um, this started with Netflix being exhausted because let me just tell you, the binge model of dropping all episodes at once has been like the bane of journalists having to cover TV shows because that means you have to watch them all ahead of time and then plan out all your stories ahead of time. And if you don't, then you're behind. And everyone's talking about the finale the next day or the day of like with Bridgerton and Jess watching it all in one day. So like (laughs) and so that's why I'm very much pro Amazon doing a weekly Hulu also occasionally doing a weekly model. Um, And but I I think as far as like the mega streaming services that have a lot of things going on with it, I think we are done with that. I don't necessarily need boutique like the smaller streaming services like they're going to try to you know, give some added value in some way. Maybe they'll like be, you know, say that this can be added to a skinny bundle, whatever, whatever bundles you want. Um, But like, I just, once they start adding original content to these streaming services is when I have to pay attention. So I'm just like, if you're just repurposing your channel stuff, 
I'm okay with you doing that because then I can ignore you. But like even Apple TV, like it doesn't have that many original things, but it has enough <laughs> that I have to pay attention to it. So I'm very tired. Um, I, uh, I don't want to say I even wish them the best. I don't want anyone to fail, but like, for example, Quibi died <laughs> hard and it needed to. And Did it, was, it ever start? It, like oh, how the launch wasn't great, right? It was very bad. Well, it was poor. Like, first of all, yeah. even with the quarantine of it all, um, if that was taken away, I personally truly do feel it was not a good model. Um, because the concept of it being super, super short videos, why don't you just watch that shit on YouTube? Um, so I didn't understand the point of it. The best thing that came out of it was the technology where it was able to change the, um, if you uh, changed your phone from vertical to horizontal, the video like adjusted for it in a way that not all YouTube does it. And it was shot for that. So that was an interesting technological thing but unfortunately the concept which is of course what drives all of the programming on it was not good so and then you add quarantine on top of it where no one's going anywhere so they don't need to watch things on their phone Uh, they're watching things on their screens at home and then you really have a loss so yeah Quibi was the major failure of streaming services this year and I just I don't need any more of that, like a brand new from scratch, you know, streaming service that I need to pay attention to. Like I wrote my story on it. It was fine. Whatever. I mean, it's just going to come down to like each studio will have their own streaming service so they can like maximize their own original content. And then from there, it's just licensing deals. Right. This is why I like I don't want to be pro um mega companies but at the same time like it 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 helps (laughs) because you know disney plus had several things going for it um besides everything disney possible you know it also had marvel star wars and then it added on fox and nat geo because of the abc fox merger so it, it 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 already had like an obvious added value. Same with HBO Max, you know, stuff like that. But we really don't need any more like big ones. If if you're not into big ones, then I totally support you. Like, let's say getting an Acorn subscription or like you did Crunchyroll. It makes sense. Um, but if you add like those onto another big one, I'm also being fine with that. So mm-hmm. um, ma- make it easier for me. But as it is like, when you think about it, I have a Roku and an Apple TV so I can watch my things because, you know, as we know, HBO Max for a while wasn't available <laughs> on every device. And then um, it it also means that like and my screeners are not available on every device. So it's like, how many things do I need to own in order to watch all the things that I need to watch? And it's, it's I am exhausted. <laughs> so no new streaming services no new yes. streaming services please please i oh, beg you i know i don't know how many more 799s i can pay per month yeah and and then i the, the only way i say is just like i tell my family so i have to pay for this so you want to get in on it and i'm just like i'll add your profile so i'll feel a little bit better but anyway so marvin 
What about you? What don't you want in 2021? <laughs> All right. So I'll keep it short because we've been going on for almost two hours now. But um, what I don't want to see in 2021 is, um, I guess in general, the further collapse of uh, society, or at least our confidence in society. I think over this past few years, a lot of us have grown a little cynical as we've seen you know, things that we should rely on um, kind of crumble and not fulfill its promises, whether it's our democracy or our economy. And I'm really hoping that it really is a time to start over, especially now that we're entering a new presidency and things seem to, at least on paper, look like it's starting to get better. Shut up, Mar- Marvin! <laughs> Marvin, shut up! Why would you say that? <laughs> You're going to have to cut this one out. <laughs> Marvin, you cannot send that juju into the universe! Oh. Have we learned nothing this year? It can always get worse. It can always get worse, okay? <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, like, regardless of all that, we we made it. We made it past 2020. Who knew it would? Who knew it would have been this hard to like get through another year? But I mean, we've survived the year of COVID. We've survived four years of 45. Yeah, I think that's worth at least a little bit of celebration. Um, but yeah, on that note, that'll also do it for us at Good Pop for 2020 thank you all for joining us over the course of the year um let us know what you're looking forward to in 2021 um and yeah um jess han if people want to follow you on social media where can they go i'm on twitter at just you tweets i am also on twitter at hanonymous I'm on Twitter at Marvin Yue. You can find the show at Good Pop Club and also check out our website at goodpop.club. Thanks once again to the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian-hosted podcasts that we're proud to be a member of. Um, you can check out our fellow Potluck pods by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. And yeah, happy new year. Happy 2021. Jess Han, wishing you both a happy new year. Um, stay safe. Um, hopefully you guys aren't planning on going to any parties. Oh, hell no. <laughs> a lot of parties and a lot of French kissing, right? Uh, <laughs> just bone in. Just bone in the strangers in person. Yeah. Yeah. The bone, bone town. And, stay and- away from secret <laughs> restaurant parties. Apparently that's happening in L.A. Yeah, it's oh. going to be a lot of hot pots and uh, buffets. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I literally, it's just more of the, do I stay home and Zoom or do I just stay home and not Zoom? That's, that's Those are my choices. Uh, to be, to Zoom or not to Zoom, that is the question. Yeah. yeah. Well, happy right. new year, everyone. We'll see you in 2021. Stay safe, everyone. Bye. Don't die. Brian, did you go to Saturday school as a kid? 
I sure did. Did you? Totally. Well, at our podcast, Saturday School, we don't teach a language, but we pass along the culture that we do know. And that's Asian American pop culture. Ada is a journalist, and I'm a professor and film festival programmer. We've watched a lot of great Asian American movies, and we want you to watch them too. Come listen to us as we look back at the pioneering films that have led us to today. 